Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Pie catcher. A series of two stories of the unceasing search for enemy spies in water. Based on the memoirs of Lieutenant Colonel Areste Pinto of the Allied Counterintelligence Service. This week's story is entitled, Stooping to Conquer. The part of Colonel Pinto is played by Bernard Archer. In August 1942, I was at work at my headquarters in London. On my desk was a pile of reports from different examiners on the men and women that they had recently interrogated. I went through the reports, checking and initialing. There was a report on a Belgian merchant seaman, Franciscus Johannes Vincent. On the surface, it seemed as straightforward as the others, but I had a doubt. The report had been made by one of the young Belgian examiners. I sent for him. Come in. You want me, sir? Yes, your examination of Franciscus Vincers. Uh, in the list of personal possessions is a bottle of quinine. Does he explain this? He is a merchant seaman, sir. Oh, do you have his medical history? No, sir. Another item, his money, 50 pounds. Is this his saving? I don't know, sir. This is my first examination of Vinter. He says he's a merchant seaman. When did he last have a ship? It's more than a year ago, sir. Mm, well, I'd like to see him. Yes, sir. I'll bring him now. Your full name is Franciscus Johannes Vinter. That's right, sir. You're a Belgian subject? Yes, sir. Born in Antwerp. You're age 46, unmarried, and you're a merchant seaman. That's right, sir. Cigarette? Hmm? Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I don't want to take up too much of your time, Mr. Vinters. I know you've had a long journey to England. But there are a few questions that I must ask you. Of course, sir. You're a merchant seaman, so we must have your medical history. Oh, of course, sir. Clean bill of health, near enough. A little bronchial trouble, but it's never worried me. No illnesses, and I'm quite fit, sir. Mm-hmm. Why did you leave Belgium? Were you in trouble? No, sir. I was just fed up with living under the Germans, that was all. I wanted to come here and join the Free Merchant Navy. How did you go about making an escape like this? Well, I was in Antwerp, sir, and I have many friends there. I had some friends who were in the resistance movement. Were you in the resistance movement? No, sir. But I told these friends of mine that I wanted to come to England to serve in our free merchant navy. They said they would see what they could do. But about two weeks after this, they spoke about it again and asked how much money I had. They said that the escape took several weeks, living in different towns on the way, and I would be expected to pay for my own food and my affairs and so on. But in fact, sir, the people were very good. And it was only in the towns where food is very short that we were asked to pay. How much money did you need? Well, sir, I said I could get together about 80 pounds. And they said this would be enough. And they agreed to send you? They asked me if I would join a small party, making three, who were to escape into Spain and come to England. They said one was an English pilot who spoke no French. And I could help him because I speak French and English. The other was a Dutchman, whose French was not very good. And I could help by speaking up and being the leader as we were questioned by Germans or by the French police. 
<laughs> I think they only sent me because I'd be useful and I had this money. Well, you were doing an important job. Uh, when did you start the escape? In November. Mm, 14th of November. We had to go to a quiet part of the border. And a guide led us through the woods and took us to a safe house in France. At Recroix. At Recroix. Who was this guy? Well, we were told that names are confidential. Yes, I realize that, but we're on their side too. And we know that they work only under code names. Well, it was always code names, sir. This man was named Albert. He's a very brave man. Albert. Can you tell me something about him? Can you describe him? Yes, he's a big man. About six feet and broad. I think he works in the forest, or he's a farm worker. Well, he met us at Namur and took us from there to Lacroix. This was on November the 14th? No, sir, on the following day, the 15th. He took us across on the night of the 15th. We stayed there two nights, and then we were sent to Reims. Had you another guy? No, sir, they provided identity papers for us. French identity papers. And explained how we were to take the bus to Reims by ourselves, and we would be met at the bus station there. We stayed there three days. Each day, we had to have our food at the cafe, and I paid for the three. Well, after that, sir, it was very easy. We were taken by train from Reims almost to the Spanish frontier, to Lamou. Did you have a guide for this? Yes. He met us at the station at Reims and took us all the way, buying our tickets, arranging our trains, and putting us up for the night, here and there, where we had to wait for a connection. Well, what's his name? His code name? Well, they called him Manton. He also took us to the frontier. And then you crossed into Spain? Yes, sir. How long had this journey taken? Well, we were two days at Lacroix, three days in Reims, eight days on this journey, and one day to wait for the Spaniard, who was to take us across. Hmm, that was a very quick escape. I'm afraid they're not all as quick as that. Um, when did you cross into Spain? Well, it was November 30th, sir. And what route did you take? It was called the Mont Blanc route. Was it a difficult climb? Yes. And then to Lisbon? Yes, sir. And what happened at Lisbon? Freedom and good food. The pilot was taken to the British Embassy, and I was told he was flown to England immediately. I was given priority, too, as a merchant seaman. But it took two months. And the Dutchman? Well, I don't know, sir. He went to his own console, to the Dutch people. I didn't see him again. You know his name? I knew him only as Chris. And the English pilot? Well, his name was Peter. So to be safe, we called him Pierre, and that was all. Of course, all you know about me is that I'm Francis. Of course. Well, thank you. Well, is that all, sir? Not quite. Among your personal possessions when you arrived here was a bottle of quinine. Yes. Where did you get it? I bought it, sir, in Lisbon. Why? I'm a sailor. You're a merchant sailor with a clean bill of health, you tell me, sir. Why do you bring a bottle of quinine? They said it was difficult to get here. It isn't. Well, that's what they told me, sir. There's also the matter of your money. Fifty pounds. Quite a lot of money. It's what I had left. I had over eighty pounds. I know. You paid for food in Reims. You also paid rail fares. Uh, no, I, I didn't pay rail fares. I, I paid for food. I gave a tip to the Spaniard for taking us across the mountains. I didn't have to. I just gave him a tip. I spent money in Lisbon, and well, this is what I have left. Mr. Vinters, I want you to think about four things before we meet again. Quinine, 50 pounds, Albert, and Anton. <laughs> but I don't have to think. You sleep on it. I'll see you in the morning. When Vinters had gone, I made an examination of his personal belongings. A small diary, a pocket watch, a wallet with the 50 pounds in it, some family photographs, or perhaps just girlfriends, some small Portuguese coins, 
clasp knife, cheap fountain pen, a toilet bag with drawstring, inside it's toothbrush, toothpaste, hair oil, soap, shaving cream, safety razor, and the bottle of quinine. In the morning, I sent for him again. Winters, sir. Come in, Winters. Sit down, please. <coughs> Did you sleep well? Yes, sir. Before we begin our talk, Winters, I want to make this quite clear to you. I want you to know that I have a reason, a good reason, to disbelieve your story. I think you may know what that reason is. So before we begin, is there any part of your statement that you'd like to add to or explain? No, sir. Very well. Let's begin with this bottle of quinine. Why did you bring it here? But I told you why. Well, tell me again. Well, I was in this chemist shop in Lisbon. I was buying some things. What sort of things? Some things I needed. Comb, soap, toothpaste, shaving cream, things like that. Well, you, you have them there. Go on. Well, the chemist said I should buy this bottle of quinine. He said it would be difficult to get in England. Why should he say that? Well, he knew I was a sailor and I was waiting to come to England. Did you tell him this? Yes. Well, I didn't tell him when I was sailing or the name of a ship or anything like that. I didn't even know at this time. I was waiting to be told. Well, there was no harm in that, sir. It was not a secret. And on his advice, you bought this bottle of quinine? Yes, sir. Why? You say you have a clean bill of health. Have you had malaria? No, sir. Then why do you buy a bottle of quinine? Well, why do you question me about this bottle, sir? I think you know. Well, I don't know, sir. And if there's something I should know... Well, I'd like you to tell me. All right. It happens that quinine can be used for secret writing, invisible writing, and can be used for sending written information to the enemy. It also happens that a merchant seaman is in a privileged position to obtain such information and can mail such letters from foreign ports. But I wouldn't do that, sir. I have escaped from the Germans. If it can be used like that, I don't want it. You can keep that bottle or throw it away, sir. You do what you like with it. I don't want it. Thank you. You say you crossed into Spain on November the 30th? Yes, sir. It would be about that date. I calculated from the time I left Antwerp. But it would be in my diary. In your diary? Written in this diary? It isn't written in clear, sir. I just made marks that I would understand. I scribbled an S on the day we crossed into Spain. There you are, sir. You can see it for yourself. Hmm. November the 30th, S. Yeah, right. November the 15th and 16th, and R. Uh, Roquois, sir. The two days we stayed in Roquois. November the 17th, 18th, and 19th, on each an R. Well, that was when we stayed in Reims, sir. Three days. It is also an R, sir, but I know what it means. I just scribbled these little things to remind me. L is for Lisbon. Yes, sir. You arrived in Lisbon on December the 8th. Yes, sir. Let's return to November the 30th. That was the day you crossed into Spain. Yes, sir. Now, when we talked yesterday, you didn't tell me much about this. It was a very difficult crossing, sir. You had a guide? Yes, sir, a Spaniard. You have his name? No, sir. We were not told his name. What do you know about him? Nothing, sir. Well, you must have talked to him. No, sir. He was always ahead of us. And it was difficult enough to keep up with him. But at night, when you camped? No, sir. He always found a camp for us and then went off by himself. I think he was exploring the route or something. Well, I think he was scared and wanted to get the job finished with. We all wanted to have it over with him. When we were safely over the mountains, well, I gave him a tip. 
You were the only one with money. Did you pay for the journey? No, sir. It was paid for by the guy that took us there. Anton? Yes, sir. I think this was because of the English pilot and the Dutchman. But I was not even asked to pay my share. That is why I gave this Spaniard some extra money when we were through the mountains. How much did you give him? Seven hundred francs. Well, why is this in English money? Well, I, I changed it in Lisbon. When I knew I was coming here, I changed what I had left into English money. How much? Well, what I had left, I received 62 pounds. You arrived here with 50. Could you live for two months in Lisbon on 12 pounds? Oh, well, sir, the Belgian authorities provided my food and lodgings whilst I was waiting, and also a ration of cigarettes. The 12 pounds was spending money for small things, including this bottle of quinine. Let's talk about the guide who took you from Reims to the Spanish frontier. By the way, where did he leave you? At uh, Saint-Giron, near the frontier, where we met the Spaniard. And this route that the Spaniard would follow, it had a name? I told you, sir. The Mont Blanc route. Now, about Anton. You were with him about eight days. Can you describe him to me? Yes. He's about my height and much younger. About 30 or 32. Thin face. What color hair? He's dark hair. Was he a friendly man? Yes. I would say he was friendly. And very good at his job. What was his other job? His occupation? I don't know. Well, you were with him quite a time. Did you get any impression of what it might be? Well, I think he must work on the railways. He knows all about the trains, and he knows the ticket inspectors and the people on the platforms. Do you know his real name? No, sir. No. Well, we do. We know a great deal about these things, Winters. His real name was Philippe Boisseau. He was arrested by the Germans in October and had already been executed before you made this journey. But how could this be? That's what I want to know. He was arrested by the Germans on October the 3rd and was executed by them on October the 20th. Yet you claim to have met him at Reims on November the 19th. Well, it couldn't be the same man, sir. This guy I met at Reims, all I know is that he was called Anton. Perhaps they kept the same code name. Your description is a description of Philippe Boisseau. Code name, Anton. Five foot six, slim, thin face, dark hair. He was the guide between Reims and the Spanish frontier, and he did work on the railway. Are you sure he was caught there? Could be a mistake. No, there's no mistake. Could he have a brother, sir? This man I met is just as I described. He took us to Saint-Giron. Let's go further north than the Muir. You begin your escape from Antwerp on the evening of November the 14th. And on the following day, at Namur, you meet the Belgian guide, Albert. He took you to Recroix. Yes, sir. Do you know his real name? No, sir. Well, we do. His real name was Emile Le Maire. He was a forester, big and broad, as you described. He was arrested by the Germans at Recroix on October the 1st. He was executed with Philippe Boisseau on October the 20th. You say you met him in November. Oh, I don't understand this, sir. Well, let's go further south, to the Spanish frontier. On November the 30th, you crossed the mountains. Yes, sir. You named this route. Yes, sir. They called it the Mont Blanc route. That route and the whole route from the Muir was closed down when Albert and Anton were arrested. And it has not been reopened since then. I just don't understand this, sir. I've told you what happened to me. And you've told it very convincingly, but I don't believe you. This diary can be two things. Notes on a journey that you made or notes for a cover story very neatly worked out. Well, well, I don't understand this, sir. I, I've told you what happened to me. 
Everything I've told you is true. Everything you've told me is known to the Germans. But perhaps Gerlach was not... Gerlach, sir? Do you know that name? No, sir. And I'll say, perhaps the Germans were not aware that we know, too. You couldn't have made the escape on those dates. You couldn't have met Albert and Anton. Between this and your neat little bundle of 50-pound notes and your bottle of quinine... But I've told you about that, sir. I've told you the truth. The chemist in Lisbon... You still say these diary dates are correct? Well, I think they are, sir. But you're no longer certain. But I made these notes each day, sir, after we were out of Belgium. We were in hiding. We were being taken from place to place. It was only my way of keeping track of the days. For each day, I made a little mark to say what I was. But you say I'm wrong. I didn't say you were wrong. I said that you're lying. Were you caught by the Germans when the roof was blown, when Anton was arrested? No, I saw Anton last at Saint Giron. He was already dead. He was not. I'll see you again, Vincent. Next time, it'll be a more serious talk. Serious? But, well, isn't, isn't this serious? I've answered all your questions. I've told you the truth. I've done nothing wrong. Why don't you believe me? All the let's take him away. Yes, sir. So how does it go? He's the most calculating liar in Christendom. And one of the most convincing. He has convinced the jury that he's innocent and thoroughly convinced the judge. <laughs> he's almost convinced me. Mm, what's the trouble, sir? This diary. He's made certain notes in it. Mm. When I point out the error, he begins to shift the story very cleverly, casting doubts on himself and his own accuracy. The defense counsel would love that. There he is, a brave escaper hiding in the darkness. German jackboots pounding overhead, making cryptic little notes in a diary. He thought it was the right page. He's sure he started on the right page. But if we say he's wrong, then he must have turned over two pages by mistake in the dark. Is the diary so important, sir? Huh? Yes, you see, the escape route was blown and known to the Germans on these dates. But two weeks earlier, it was working. He can wriggle out of it. I think this is an aid memoir for a cover story. And I think I know who coached him in it. Who, sir? Gerlach, in Lisbon. Mm. When I mentioned Gerlach, he almost gave it away. But not quite. <laughs> he recovers very quickly. Do you think Vinters was caught when the route was blown, sir? I don't know. Maybe he's just a straightforward spy. He's the right caliber. Can you break him, sir? Well, I can try. I... Uh... I want you to mock up a telegram for me in code. Do it on our teleprinter. Uh, take a note. Right, sir. I'll make it look like a code. Begin um, from Lisbon B4 to London H6. <laughs> Immediate. Winter, orange, blacksmith, stop. Agent. Moonride. Precise melody. Stop. Gala. Uh, Ottoman. End. <laughs> Quite a code, sir. <laughs> yes. And now for the translation. 
Re-transistor splinters. Stop. Agent reports having procured letter written by Gala to Paris HQ proving Winters incontestably agent and containing his instructions. Stop. Courier with letter leaving for London tomorrow. Hmm. Yes, sir. We'll have that mock-up on the teleprinter. Have the translation pinned to the code message and bring it to me. Yes, sir. Right away. When the fake cable and its translation had been prepared, I explained the next part of the plan to my assistant. I'd sent to Vinters, and while I was interrogating him, my assistant would call me to another room, urgently. I would hurry from my office, leaving the fake cable on my desk. I sent for Vinters. Sit down, Vinters. Oh, we've met again earlier than expected. Yes, sir. I have here some news from Lisbon. But before I read this cable, do you want to add to your story or alter it in any way? No, sir. Now is the time to do it. I have nothing to add and I have nothing to alter. I have told you the truth. Have you? Yes. Look, you tell me you think I'm a spy, but I am a loyal Belgian and I've come to join the free merchant navy. Would I come here if I was a spy? You didn't come. You were brought here. So was your baggage. You were carrying two items of which I'm always suspicious, especially with merchant seamen. A large sum of money and the means of sending secret messages. But I have explained all this. I have answered all your questions. I demand to see someone else. Who? Someone who will listen to me. You will understand when I'm telling the truth. Winters, you're a very stubborn man. I'm giving you your last chance. This table contains irrefutable evidence. But if you tell me the truth now, why you come here and who sent you, it will be taken into consideration. I can promise no more than that, but it will be taken into consideration. But if I have to drag the truth out of you... I have told the truth. Vinters, if you had come out on that escape route, you would have met five men, five guys. But you mention only two, the two who were captured by the Germans. What? If you expect me to believe... Colonel? Yes? The British here, sir, there's trouble. He's on the line. He wants to speak to you. I can't possibly come now. But there's been trouble, sir. It's urgent, sir. Can you come now? All right. I'll be back in a moment. The fake cable was left on the desk. Vinters must have spotted it. Guilty or innocent, the temptation to read the cable would be irresistible. So the rest was now simple. But it was a matter of life or death for Vinters. If the content of the cable was not true, he would protest as soon as I returned to the room. If it was true, I knew that he'd play for time and then try to make a bargain for his life. Which was it to be? Uh, sorry for that interruption, Winters. Now, where were we? Um, oh, yes. I was telling you that if you had come out on that escape route, you would have met five men. Yes, sir. You say you met only two, Albert and Anton. And the guide, sir, the Spanish guide, and that makes three. Three, but there would have been five. Sir? Yes? 
If I give you information... Give me information? It's a bit late in the day to talk about that. But, sir, I had nothing to do with the deaths of those two men. But I didn't even know they'd been executed. You described them to me. It, it was that man you mentioned, sir. Gerard. He told me what to say. He sent you here? Yes, sir. Look, if I tell you... Where were you recruited? Antwerp, sir. I was unemployed. They gave me money. They're worried about the Americans, sir. The American troops over here. I'll tell you everything, sir. Look, look, if I, if I tell you what they want to know, can you help me, sir? Vincent, I'm making no bargain with you. You came here to spy. Are you prepared to make a full confession? Yes, sir. Franciscus Johannes Winters, Belgian merchant seaman who came here to spy on the American troops, was tried at the Central Criminal Court before Mr. Justice Humphrey. He was found guilty. On January the 27th, 1943, he was hanged at Wandsworth Prison. You've been listening to Spycatcher, with Bernard Archard as Colonel Areste Pinto. The script was written by Robert Barr, and the program produced for the BBC by Charles Mack. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.